welcome to Spare Prats. And today it was Chris's choice, which was Church and the Crown. Doctor Who, the Church and the Crown. Is this really another time? Yes, and place, Paris, 1626 to be exact, a good few centuries after your time. For the Church and the Crown. Richler had a vision for uniting the cultural diversity. Richler? Wasn't he the bad guy? No, 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 no. quite the opposite. Alexander Dumas has a lot to answer for. Run me through Delmar and 50 will step forward to take my place. 50 of the Cardinal's guards to one king's musketeer. <laughs> Hardly a challenge, Moran. How many more reports must I read of skirmishes on the streets? Twelve in the last week alone. What should I care if a few hotheads are getting carried away? Our men are tearing each other to shreds! Such beauty. Are you talking to me? Could she have gone back to your TARDIS? Oh, I doubt it. Sensible just isn't in Perry's vocabulary. I don't know... There she is. Take her. Hey! Get your hands off me! Why would anybody take Perry? Doctor! Would it help if I said I have to gain an audience with the king on a matter of national security that may even threaten the life of Queen Anne? <laughs> then I'd say that you are more of a fool than you look. The king is preparing for the state ball this evening and will see no one, especially a peasant like you. My ball will bring together every French aristocrat in one room. Tonight, we shall see France unified in my name. I am the Princess Erimem of Karnak. May I present the doctor, my royal... Vizier and chief advisor. Dressed like that? I thought he was your jester. I work for a higher purpose, as well you know. No, Cardinal! You work for me! Do not forget that! For the unity between the church and the crown to survive this night, the madness must stop! Now, sir, prepare to face the sword of Patrice Delmar. On guard! Oh, dear... So this was a step back into the monthly range. And we've been doing sort of box sets recently. So this was Chris's choice. So Chris, what did you think? I really enjoyed it. It was just really enjoyable. It was like, turn your brain off, enjoy it. And there's no great subplots. There's no great emotional depth to it. It's just, you know, it harked back to Monster of the Week, Episode of the Week, that sort of vibe. There's a baddie. He's a bit of a bastard. And a bunch of goodies. Some of them are goodies uh, roguish. Some of them are goodie weird. And so, yeah, this is fun. The end. Yeah, I just, thought, I just thought this episode was very inoffensive. It did what it said on the tin. I really liked the the overall setting. There was no like, big bad. There was just humans being humans, which I enjoyed. And just how historical it felt. It just felt like... Felt like Chris has never read a history book in his life. Yeah, I mean, history is what happens in the movies, as told by Americans. That, that's how I view history. Absolutely. And, you know, the occasional time, you know, it gets incredibly wrong. Joe, what were your thoughts on it? Yeah, uh, I think I think inoffensive is a good, is, is a good way. Like, so I, I definitely didn't hate it at all. It was quite nice hearing Peter Davidson doing talking, which I don't know, <laughs> we don't normally hear much from him. So it was quite nice to have him as as the doctor or the doctor of the week. I am struggling to find good things to say, but I'm also struggling to find anything bad to say, which is maybe where I'm at. So it's not my favourite episode, but there's nothing wrong with it. I do like a historical one where they meet human ruminies from, from times of gone past. I'm still not quite sure why they didn't 
didn't catch on to the accent and figured this is clearly not who we think it is. But that's maybe just me. Yeah, I mean, it was fine. I could easily follow it. So that's always a plus. I like that. I could tell who everyone was, which is also a Joe plus for me. But yeah, it wasn't. It's remarkably unremarkable. Yeah, I think that's where, where I'm sitting with it. It, it, it there was no there's no high stakes I guess that's the big thing there was no kind of yeah we I suppose we're so used to in Doctor Who regardless of audio or TV yeah it's like an end of the world again yeah yeah stakes are so donkeysly high that like oh no Daleks have come oh Cybermen have come again and again what was the master again like it's nice to have humans being human and that's whether the machinations of some people like ah uh, the was it the Cardinal oh, I can never remember anyone's names. I hate this one for names. Cardinal. Cardinal Richelieu. Richelieu, Richelieu, Richelieu. yes, Richelieu. Instantly I'm reminded how young Chris is comparatively, in that he doesn't obviously watch or didn't watch in his youth Dog Tanyon and the Free Muscahounds. I did. I did. Well I then you no should know all about Cardinal Richelieu, because he was one of the main characters. I Muscahounds are always ready. Yeah, I remember the dogs and the swords and the flappy capy bits and the hats. And the, 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 big, the big watery eyes as his, his, the love interest walked past. Oh my yeah, that. that's what I remember. Don't remember the baddies because like dogs. I remember their little costumes. So like like the the, the big bad and they usually always have, have his like costume. And I, I can't remember. Did he sort of float along, or is that just in my memory? Just sort of, I just remember him with his big gown on, and he was just. He did have a big gown. He was like a big tox type thing. Yeah. Weird. But that's not real history. (laughs) No. Damn it. Again. Tricked. Tricked by media. Who knew they weren't made of dogs? (laughs) They were made of dogs. (laughs) I did like the, again, I'm always really impressed with the sound quality and the background things that are going on, so you could kind of feel that you were there and visualize it. So I do think that was good. But yeah, I'm kind of struggling to say anything hugely much about it apart from my usual horribly stuff, which can which can wait, I think. So I'm really keen to see what EU and Paris on Taran, comedy star and Taran hating a befriend over there is going to say. <laughs> I think let's go to Doug next then. Doug! What did you think of it? <laughs> I, I, I can't hear right, uh, can't see right now. Is Doug's phenomenal scowl over his glasses <laughs> I, at, that, at that line. I think the, the the idea of non-offensive is about right. It felt like Peter Davison's doctor to me, which is beige. And that's a bit surprising because I love the writers for this. Two of my favourite Big Finish writers. They, it's Kevin Scott, who now writes a lot of Star Wars stuff. And Mark Wright was the other one. And I generally, they wrote Project Twilight. And they wrote some, some of the, which I think are some of the best of the big early sort of Big Finish stuff. This was very early in their career. This was only their second big finish. I did enjoy it. I liked it, but I liked it because I thought the characters played it well. I really liked mm-hmm. it. And I also hadn't heard that team in a while. So I hadn't had Eremem in a while. I always really liked Eremem's character. So it was nice to hear her again, Caroline Morris again. Perry's always a bit of a lover or loather character. I have come to like her a lot more over time. Looking at Doug's face, I think I know which way he is going to jump on that one. It was nice to hear her use her kind of more normal voice for playing the Queen, because the accent does feel a bit overplayed at this point. 
the story was was fine. It's nice that it's historical. I like the fact that we can have pure historicals on audio because you don't get them on actual Doctor Who anymore. And it was, yeah, it was it was fine, but it was fine. It didn't jump out and make me think, oh, this is the best thing ever. There were bits of it I quite enjoyed. There were a few nice, quite funny quotes in it. There were some bits I enjoyed. There, there appeared to be like a character running all the way through who was a cross between Terry Pratchett and uh, a Terry Pratchett character and a Monty Python character, which was like the mm-hmm. spare, spare a dime for the ex-leper, you know, mm-hmm. who sort of made me think of... <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sort of one of the beggars in Discworld as well, so I felt like there was a bit of a vibe of that going on. And there were, I think there were bits of it I quite liked, but I couldn't remember coming into it, and I had heard it before. And now I have heard it again. I'm not surprised that I couldn't remember it going into it. It's nothing wrong with it. I've I liked no, it more than no, I liked it definitely... more than I've liked other stuff. Some some of the other stuff we've listened to, but it does remain very unmemorable for me. Yeah. I think what, what is, you've nailed every every good point of this story. It's just like it's when when you're reminded of them, and once you forgot them, like oh yeah, that was a good bit. Oh yeah, that guy. And I, but the, the whole on the pieces is wholly unmem- I'm just saying wholly unmemorable. But it's just yeah, there's a bunch of stuff that happens. People bicker, and some people. I like how there's a little bit of character like development here and there, but it's nothing to really kind of. You don't feel affinity for any 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 of the characters because they're all either right, wrong. Well, not, none of them are right really because all just. Colonel, goddamn, what's his name? Cardinal Reese. <laughs> Cardinal Wolsey. There we go. Wolsey. <laughs> yeah, no, it says Pr- Prince Louis is an insufferable prat, man child. Fair enough, he was. The Cardinal was scheming and maniacal. Yes, we all know this. It's, it's historical fact. These people are terrible people. But then you've got it. I think the, the redeeming factor is when you, when you come across with characters like Aramem, who and for me, no idea who she is, but, you know, warm to her quite quickly because she is quite straightforward. And it's even mentioned on her, like, like naive innocence. But then she just comes out at the end a total badass. I, I think and I did this- comment when we first said we were doing this one about the fact that Aramem, who's meant to be an Egyptian pharaoh, sounds like a BBC RP player. In that she's, I know the TARDIS translation is meant to sort of, mm. you know, but it doesn't yeah. work with Perry, as as is obvious from the... There's only so much to suspend some disbelief with that little circuit that yeah. translates I mean, everything into French and yeah. I think as well that Perry works better with Colin because there's a bit of sort of abrasiveness between the two of them and Peter Davison because she she was only actually with him for one episode, it, it one one and a half stories, and yeah. then he regenerated into Colin Baker. And I think that that you know it feels like they she's too abrasive for him. We just have a lack of familiarity between the two of them. It just doesn't quite feel as well, warm and natural as we were kind of expecting it to be. I mean, I guess that's because they'd only done at this point, allegedly. Yeah. Probably one adventure. She is a polarizing figure, Perry. A lot to do with the accent. I've sort of got used to it over the years, but obviously I'm going to guess Doug hasn't and was reminded of how much he didn't like it when he listened to this because he's still being very quiet. Before you interject, just wait a second. I, I have to say, I've heard tales of this terrible accent and it, I, I didn't feel it was that bad is it better in this one or is it still the same or is it worse I don't know it seemed alright to me it's quite it's quite bad but it's it's not her fault she was told to yeah. do it had to do it but and then once well, yeah. you've done it you've got to, got to keep doing it. it just keep going to not like me I could just change accents on a on a whim just Whoever I'm talking now to. Now we want to hear Joe's American accent. You're not going to hear my American one and you're not hearing my Yoda. You're not hearing Oh, Joe, you should do a great Yoda. I'd forgotten that. 
so yes, Doug, go on. You've been very quiet. You've obviously you're obviously biting your tongue here. Pull that pin. Pull that pin. Pull that pin. No, I've been wondering what everybody else is going to think of this. Because sometimes I think things are really good and other people don't, and other times it's the other way around. And what is it this time around then? But this time around, you all don't think it's that great. And I didn't think it was that great. I listened to it. I didn't turn it off. It wasn't that bad. But it was just a historical story that was quite humdrum. And you've already mentioned the thing about accents, which is what I was going to say, that exactly the TARDIS, you could say the TARDIS would make everybody understand. But, I mean, in this you've got, uh, which is our first story after she joined, I'm guessing, judging yes, by it the, was, the yep. backstory they, they fed in. And she was all right. She didn't get a massive part in it. Perry didn't get a massive part, despite the fact she was playing two characters. And, I mean, what is the point of that in an audio drama, really? On TV, you've got them dressed differently. And here you've got Perry using her, what's her name, character, whatever the, the actress's name is. Nicola Bryant. Her, Nicola Bryant, that's it, using her own accent or her Americanized accent. I think, did she not do that at the audition for the, the show? Did she not put the accent on for some reason? I thought I'd read that somewhere. I might be wrong. That might be true. I know she ended up feeling that she was stuck with it. And it's not the worst in the world, but it's not the best. <laughs> I mean, my my interest in Doctor Who had waned when Peter Davidson's era started, I guess. Probably towards the end of Tom Baker when he got a bit ridiculous. So, because I'd, yeah, obviously I'd, I'm old enough to have seen Tristan in All Creatures Great and Small, played by Peter Davidson. I don't think I saw in the Tomorrow People back at that point. I might have done. I can't remember. I didn't watch the Tomorrow People, but I can't remember if it was. Oh, because I wouldn't have known who he was. He was another character in four episodes if I had done. But, but yeah, he was just a little bit. Did you say beige as a doctor? Yeah, a bit bland, I would have said, as a doctor. Not much of a character, really. A bit like uh, the most recent doctor. It was a bit meh character wise. That was all right. It was just. I just. Didn't get into it, the historical. I, I don't mind historicals if there's a bit of sci-fi or a bit more interest in it, but it was just a bit pedestrian, I would call it. I listened to it once. I didn't even bother listening to it a second time because I wasn't going to get any more to say about it after the second listen. <laughs> that was going to be another three minutes worth of my life <laughs> used up when I could be doing something else with it. So, But, yeah, the the, the, yeah, the, the thing I I find, and, and it was interesting that Joe said that she, understood, she worked out who was quite easily between the voices, I didn't find it that easy. And what really didn't help was the fact that it's set in France. Most of the male characters are supposed to be French. There's a Cockney, I think he was, the the, the bloke you were talking about from you know, that, that very brief part, the, not the tramp, the whatever he was, the, the beggar that you thought was out of Monty Python or whatever. He's, yeah, he's <laughs> definitely not speaking French. So what, why have sort of, oh, I, I, I don't know. I just thought it was, and your, your pharaoh doesn't speak in an Egyptian, any sort of an Egyptian accent. Queen Anne apparently is Austrian. Well, so Wikipedia says, assuming it's the right one, it's just, she was linked to the, the right person, I think. So, but no, because I thought she was an English queen with a name like Anne, but there you go. My history knowledge is zero about all these things. So, uh, and this hasn't made me yeah, interested in finding out any more about like the situation. Might exp- I think, I, well, certainly I, I chose it because the cover looked quite interesting. A little blurb made it feel like it was going to be an episode of The Musketeers or something like that. Going to be lots of like swashbuckling. I thought it would be a bit more action packed and less kind of. Well, even the action, even the sword fight bit sounded like it was just a cut and paste of the same sounds repeated in a loop. Yeah. It didn't sound that. It, 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 it ended up being more lay miser uh, towards the end than anything. I wouldn't know because I've never seen that. Well, neither have I, but I just assume that's what it sounds like, to be honest. 
So we say in in what way, in what way <laughs> I have seen you. I don't know. Just just that I know it just has this big bombastic fight scene mm. that wasn't as bombastic as it really could have. It could have been it felt more like a punch up between a couple of dudes over mm. a bit of laundry than you know the English are coming. The English are here. Oh my god! Yes. Pretty yeah, sure. they are. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> they drink my tea. This is quite an early story, isn't it? In the the what was the main range, I guess, at that time. Yeah. Yeah, comparatively, this was number thirty-eight. So quite early in the run, it the run got to three hundred and five, I think, or two hundred and seventy-five. I think it's two hundred and seventy-five. <laughs> but this would have been two thousand and two, and the run finished, I think, in the maybe late twenty nineteen. Yeah. So I mean, the sound effects and stuff are, you know. More basic then, because computers are more basic and whatever, yes. I guess. Not surprising that maybe it didn't sound as good as more recent ones might have done. But it was, yes, well, it was said it was the introduction, kind of main introduction, I guess, of RMM. We we had heard her in a previous one, or I'd heard her in a previous one. Uh, I really like her as a character, and she she was with that, that sort of lineup, went on for, must have been a good sort of 10 or 12 episodes over the course of the next few years. Oh, wow. So are you allowed to spoil it, Stuart, in that ultimately she has to go back? Does, it, does she know what's awaiting her when she goes back? Or does he know that? Does he even know that anymore? That's where I get confused. Well, okay, I'll tell you, ultimately she doesn't go back. Okay. She okay. ends up somewhere else. Good. I mean, out of all the characters of this episode, I mean, she was the one I kind of liked the most, even though like, it did feel at this middle point a little bit insufferable a little bit, but then towards the end mm. of it, when she got into the big kind of, she had stuff to do in terms of Rallying the troops, having a wee bit of a fight. Like, oh, okay, cool. She's got a bit more, got a, got a bit more interesting. Well, I mean, it's this parallels, I guess, here to Catriana, who was in that first and second Doctor story we listened to, yeah, two or three episodes ago, because she was from, well, probably even earlier in, in time. She was from Troy, wasn't she? Which probably is early. Those history experts out there can correct me, I'm sure. But I mean, she was a hand agent, I think. So I think that's who I've confused them, haven't I? Have I confused Catriana and Eremem then? Yes. I think that's what I've possibly done. Possibly have. Possibly. Yeah, yeah, you Scratch that entire them. question then. <laughs> I got them confused and I'm like, he's going to send her back to her doom. I think she did go back to her doom, didn't she? <laughs> get too attached. She did. There was a couple of things I did enjoy about it, though. One, and I'm guessing Doug will have picked up on this, was where they were originally going to take her. Take who? Eremem. Oh, Doug didn't pick up on it. Well, I don't know. Maybe I was listening to this in the car, so I might have not heard everything that was said. The original plan was to take her to the Braxiatel collection. It rings a bell, but I couldn't remember. You have it's, to tell me, remind me what that is. It's in City of Death, and Romana says it's like the greatest art gallery stroke museum place in, in the universe. So it's it's actually canon in proper Doctor Who, and it's something Big Finish had done a lot of. Braxy tells a recurring character in Big Finish itself, who is pretty much hinted on to be the Doctor's brother. I'm not sure whether that's ever 100% confirmed, but it's very, very strongly hinted. Um, and Brax is a great character, and I'm sure we will eventually get onto something that has him in it, which I'm sure you will enjoy. And so it was quite nice to hear sort of that reference to the City of Death. Did anyone, else, did anyone actually watch The Musketeers on BBC back when it was first airing? The one with Peter Capaldi? Yeah. No. I just kind of, <laughs> no. Didn't even know about he, he, He's got a very good moustache. Moustache. Or goatee. He wasn't in the second series, I think, because he... Yeah, he got, he got the, the call-up. Did he not play Cardinal Richelieu? 
for the yeah, for he that. did. Yeah. That's why I'm bringing. That's why I'm bringing it up because we've got <laughs> Peter Capaldi playing Cardinal Rishu uh, in the thing that's got the big thing in it. And you still couldn't remember his name. It's all wibbly wobbly. Still can't remember his name now. Rishu. Just going to mumble. Rishu. All French listeners. <laughs> I'm actually butchering your language. I'm so sorry. But I think if I remember rightly, he is using a Scottish accent. So I could be wrong, but yeah, that's another yeah, not accent flub. <laughs> but then you know. I love I love this BBC wiki here. We've got Cardinal Richelieu was a real person in history. It's like, oh. <laughs> what? Hey. Not to be confused with a, a real person. Any of those fake persons. Yeah. AI <laughs> generated fake people in history. Yeah. Well, that's going to happen one day. So, Stuart, are you ready? Go on. Okay. So, we've got Nicola Bryant, obviously. I think we, we can leave that one. Marcus was in... Oh my gosh. He was in no John Peter John was in Shine On Harvey Moon, but also so was Patrick Troughton. So it's not actually anything to do with Hornblower at all. But I thought, ooh, Patrick Troughton was in a thing with this other guy who was also in they've they've crossed paths before. I like that. But Wendy and <laughs> was Wendy Alveston, is that right? Mm-hmm. She was in Starlings with Cherry Lungi, who was also in Hornblower. Ah, so there is a horn blower there. That's how horn blower light it was. I mean, I'm really having to drag the thing, but Cherry, Cherry Linky, full horn blower episode starring role. So that was quite good. We have a horn blower. We have, we have a horn blower. I mean, like it's, we're, we're clutching at the straws there, but you know, we'll take it. Okay. We'll take it. One day, the writers will listen to this and go, aha, we know what to do. And they'll get all the horn blower cast in. Maybe they'll set it on horn. Maybe they'll set it there. That would be great. They go back to the Napoleonic era, stumble okay. across a, a shipwreck, and set them on their merry way. I think that's that's got to happen. Well, here's the main question then: Which doctor goes and meets the Hornblower crew? Oh no! Well, it can't be Paul McGann doctor because he's in Hornblower. <gasps> oh, maybe that's your story right there. That's your story right there. There we go. Because he's got you know they've got the twin thing going on. We and could do says- that. A recurring theme in this one as well. And then this will be hilarious time. because like he's suddenly the doctor, but actually he's supposed to be Bush on the on the hornblower and he's supposed to be well not on the hornblower. That would be that's a whole other whole other type of movie. <laughs> that's the kind of weird fiction you read, Joe. That's nothing. That, that's to do with that's it. in my my exclusive collection. You know, that's it's good. Yes, absolutely. So I think that should be quite fun. I think we should do that immediately. I'd be scared to ask, actually, Doug, did you ever watch any of the Hornblower? Yeah, I watched certainly the first one. There's, I'm trying to think, there's four DVDs, isn't there? There's four DVDs. I think there's eight, eight kind of... I think it's eight episodes, isn't it? I think I watched the first two, but that was like nine months ago, so I haven't watched any. Well, yeah. I watched in Elgin, and I'm not in Elgin very much. Yeah, I quite enjoyed what I saw of them. And yeah. We'll watch the rest of them. I just need to sit down. It's wintertime now, so... Oh, yeah. Gardening time when I was up there in the summer, so... Couldn't sit down and watch. It's Hornblower time. Yeah. Hornblower time. Oh, There's yeah. There's a lot of DVDs sitting oh, there. Okay. I bet. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I've just discovered it because I had to buy them again because there was a digitally remastered ones and my ones I'd played quite a lot. So they were a bit scuffed. So I got some new ones. But one of them's gone missing and I can't think for the life of me who, who would have actually taken it out. Was it taken from your was it? It's not in my collection, so I I must have misplaced it somewhere, really. But I can't think why I would have done that. Or, and so all I can think is someone else has, has watched it. <laughs> like I know my family, that hasn't happened. 
I was going to say, or your husband was so bored of you watching it <laughs> that he frisbeed it out the window. So let's get back to the, because this is going to be that one of those episodes where yeah. because we all didn't hate it, but didn't love it, we're going we're gonna to have not said much about it because there's not a lot to have said. As I say, the, the historicals, I mean, I watched, the, uh, before we did the Catriana story, I, I uh, watched the telecon reconstruction of the story that she was in before the, the, the audio drama. And it was a sort of comedy historical, and it was obviously just photographs rather than sort of full action, so that didn't help. But it was a really, it wasn't very funny, I didn't think, and it wasn't very interesting, and it was, you know, four episodes of dullness, really. And I only watched it because I'd never seen it before or even had the soundtrack. But I can see why the historicals were phased out, because they generally, I mean, the, the Romans, I think, is quite good. I remember quite enjoying that one when I watched that on DVD, which must be 10 years ago or something now. But a lot of the historicals are missing, of course, so you know, you can't watch them as they as they were broadcast, so it's hard to judge. I think the Highlanders itself, the one Jamie is first in, is not maybe the most exciting historical story either, but it's famous because it's the first Patrick Triton, sorry, second Triton story, but the first Jamie story. So. I think that's one of the things I quite... I suppose it's hit and miss about the historical ones is that you kind of know how they've got they've got to play out. Well, they kind of touched on this one briefly. In, you do in this if you one. know the history. Yeah, well. <laughs> I had no idea. I thought, even now I couldn't tell you what was the end of this story that we're talking about. Oh, the musket musketeers and the guards got together and thought, yeah, down with the British, and they thwarted their plans, and the English didn't invade France, which didn't set off a chain reaction that would have set Europe to take over Britain and. Vice versa. Well, there you go. That's how much interest I had by the part time I got to the end of it then, because <laughs> I lost interest in the plot by that point, I think. But I do find that it's quite fascinating. Again, I just say that quite fascinating about these sort of historical pieces, because again, they got to play out in a certain way that, mm. again, doesn't really allow for high stakes, other than, oh, this might upset history. Well, you kind of know it's it's got to play out okay, because, you know, we have our own history. If, if, if it's based on like factual history, then, you know, it has to play out as it has. There was a bit of discussion between the Doctor and Perry as well about changing history. It wasn't this story, which is you know, a common thing in these historical type stories, I guess. Yeah, it's got to play out the way it's played out. But it would be interesting to see an episode where, you know, something did happen that caused the history that we know as fact. That'd be kind of fun. So there was actually a whole different narrative. I guess the closest thing you'd have is probably Pompeii with David Tennant and Catherine tying into the 60th there is that, you know, Doctor ends up causing Pompeii to explode, where if he didn't get involved, it would have been the opposite. It would have been pyrophiles for days. I mean, I think I miss the historicals because I am slightly biased because I think there's one thing Big Finish do do quite well is just a really nice historical. This one, as I said, nothing wrong with it, but it wouldn't rate as one of the better ones for me. But there are things like Peterloo Massacre, which was out maybe four or five years ago, that was a really strong historical and I because I didn't know much about it either you know it, I don't know how much they changed history or or you know how much it was a thing because I didn't know what the established history actually was but it was very interesting anyway and I think they, they have done quite a few that are are nicely done it's nice that it's not always some kind of rampaging alien that does it if this had been a TV episode we would have discovered that the Duke of Buckingham was a was a robot or that you know, there would have been some kind of weird yeah. thing, and I was quite yeah, a bit cliche as well. Yeah, please, that didn't happen. Well, then that that happened in the the Sherwood one, Polly's first, no, second, first series, 
But then even then, like the one of the the musketeers very much came across that same sort of like garish rogue, Robin Hood sort of type. Ha ha ha! Like banter, banter. Oh, shut up! You know, you can't banter your way out of this one. I think they even make a reference to that. Like, like none of this bantering. You can't banter your way out of a massacre. But even then, like it, it, it the the villain, the Duke of Buckingham, he was a bit of a an interesting baddie, and he's just so seemed to be very very loathsome just from the start. Just as I suppose, yes, they're, they're all speaking English, but he seemed to have that very much that pompous English of you know what that's not even a word bettering. You know what I mean? A higher branch of culture and society. Oh yes, I fancy this lady, and I must have her for my own. Oh shut up, you slime ball! But I mean again. Very yeah. much the, the doctor knew his fate because the doctor made a comment about it towards the end that basically he's dead in two years anyway. So, haha. Did enjoy the moment when Peter Davison in the middle of the play did do the all for one. Everyone just sort of looked at him. <laughs> <laughs> womp womp. I think he did get the one, one for all in at the end as well, didn't he? He did. He he trained them yeah. in the end. Too. Well, I was just going to say what would have been, what have been interesting is if they maybe did like, bump into. Duma at some point is like, oh, oh shit, I've just oh well, that's me just giving away inspired the musketeers. Well, I think I don't know, but I think Duma was probably quite a bit later, yeah. But I, I, I guess, and I did say he knew Duma, but he didn't like him very much. Again, this is one of the things like going back to like thinking about all the characters, like they're all very much sort of like loathsome sort of characters. I mean, you got Louis, who's just a big man child who banishes his mum. And just a bit, it's really, I think one of the problems is there's, there's really hard to root for anyone because there's no one, there's no good guy, bad guys. There's all a bunch of grey variations of people. Yeah, there wasn't one character that I had any interest in at all, I don't think. Yeah. Of the non-core cast, you know, Doctor and Companions. And even, you know, as I said earlier, you know, I, the, the, they didn't appear to be that much of Perry really in it. And she was playing two characters. And other men, I mean, even Peter Davison, you know, it was mostly all the other characters doing a lot of the talking and the action. I would say, you know, sort of like 70 plus percent of it was probably them. And maybe that's one of the reasons it didn't hold yeah. my attention as much as it might have done. I don't know. I just, it wasn't, it wasn't one I was going to rush to play again, even doing this, because normally I'll listen to them two or three times before we come and do this. But I only listened to it over the last two nights because it took us, you know, we we're quite close to deciding the time, the date of this meeting. So I've just been waiting because I wasn't going to p- play it. And then after, and before I played it, obviously I didn't know if I was going to love it or not. But I thought, well, I'm just going to wait until, you know, nearer the time and listen to it once or twice. And and as I say, I didn't even take any notes this time because there was so little to take notes about of interest. It's nothing not particularly bad. It just, it was, it's not one I would choose to play again, I don't think, because there's, so many other things out there that are bound to be much better that we haven't heard and or I haven't heard and there's probably as many that are as good as this one or not as good as this one but we'll find out when somebody else chooses one <laughs> yeah but I mean this is the early days of Big Finish it's the early it's, you know it's the first one with a new companion so I guess that's it's certainly the first time this TARDIS team has kind of been out somewhere else other than ancient Egypt Peter Davis said I always isn't I've said before is not it's probably my least favourite of all the, the Doctors. So this isn't one I was ever going to love. But there's been some very enjoyable ones from him from this time period. As I said, it's great writers. I really, really love the writing team. But for some reason, this one is a bit more bland. It's just not... I don't know. And I, I can't even really put my fate... You know, my, why it doesn't really work for me as much. Because it, it has got some funny moments. It's well written. It. It's enjoyable enough. It just 
yeah, it's very forgettable for me. I think it's probably because you get you get so caught up in the drama of it all. That's the thing. There's not a, there's not like a dramatic beat to it. There's just a bunch of bickering between a bunch of narcissists, and then the doctor kind of pops in, and then it's like, yeah, okay, oh no, well, it, the the thing that should be driving force of it doesn't seem to matter all that much, which is the, the Perry's identical twin being Princess Anne. It's kind of commented on a couple of times, like by a lot of times, but never anything that comes of that, which seems to be it's set up at the start as that's the driving force of the story, but then it completely just devolves into. I mean, it makes it a bit pointless having that as even part of the plot. And if you look, which is the reason I was looking on the internet before we started this, in my mind, Nicola Bryant looks nothing like pictures I've just seen on the internet of Queen Anne. Artistic license. Well, it's one thing doing it if you're a double of Salamander in Patrick Trout and Salamander in a fake world, but when somebody that looks has has albeit limited number of portraits in real life, then you know she's got dark curly hair, I guess. Well, there you go. Sorted. I think it's sort of a print. There's a sort of Prince and the Pauper sort of thing going on, isn't there? About the two different interchangeable characters, and it is a bit of a trope that's been done to death. So I think if you're using it, it's got to be done really, really well. And whilst I enjoyed it, I'm not sure that it warranted, you know, warranted that. I did quite enjoy the torture in the doctor scene, and not because I particularly enjoy the idea of Peter Davison being tortured, but more just because I thought that was quite nicely sort of put together. It, yeah, it, it had some. It did fall into the classic. Oh, I'll leave my prisoner just in this room unattended, having just lost my last prisoner, leaving them unattended. It's like when you talk about a trope, like, dude. Martin's not learning from the mistakes there. Later on, the doctor walks in. He's like, I thought you were dead. <laughs> so they're like, well, why? Why did, why did you think that under the circumstances? Did you see my Did you see my corpse? Did you? Did you? You've just the same villain. Even even mentioned earlier, oh, you've, I've seen many other megalomaniacs do it much better. I think that's maybe part of the point. Buckingham felt a little bit ineffective. So it's not like he yeah. was a master scheming person he was a bloke who just happened to put together an army and thought he could win it but they, that's kind of the, just because they were all like that all the characters were a bit ineffective at what they were yeah which is kind of it's been the kind of the point of that you you listen to it you enjoy them being terrible people being terrible people to each other but then you know as, it, as we come back to talking about the story reviewing the story that's that's all the story is a couple of like narcissist bickering i think um and Richelieu was the most interesting of them. And I think he was the one who wasn't quite as incompetent. He kind of did know a bit of what was going on. He'd intercepted the love letters. He knew about the maid. Yeah. And the well, the the friend of the, the Queen and and Buckingham. So she, you know, he kind of had a bit of a clue of what was going on, but chose to keep it to himself. And it was said at the beginning, Perry says something about Richelieu being evil and the doctor says no he was just written that way by Dumas and then the, but the point of that is like if oh he's written like that way but oh actually you find out he is kind of like he's that. not so much evil as he's just someone in that time period doing what has to be done and working for the Catholic Church so that's not a good start to be fair does not play by Peter Capaldi that's the problem I mean that's you could argue that's a problem for most characters in most things more characters played by Peter Capaldi please thank you so Chris started off by saying that he thought that the the story would be interesting because of the cover. So, Stuart, how many big finished stories do you think the cover's better than the story? I mean, it's becoming more likely because the covers are being better, but in the early days, there were some incredibly poor covers, at which point it doesn't have to be that good to beat them. Well, I would say 
You said the covers are coming better. I think some of the more modern covers are really poor, in my view. Well, it's just, yeah, I don't know. They're just, it's obviously they've got a certain number of images that they can use. And I, I do it. Presumably, they're all actual photographs that they use in these photographs, say, rather than people recreating them that are just really good at computer generated artwork these days, knowing nothing about how these things are done. I mean, yeah. I mean, they've got the advantage of, you know, they've been able to take a lot more images over the years. And, so, and some people still look young, young enough to, to just about cover. But I mean, I'm just sort of pulling one out here. Have a look at the cover for The Shadow of the Scourge, which is number 13 on Big Finish. And then think about the question you asked me once you've seen that cover. This is the thing that the big, big Finish covers have got definitely progressively better. And actually, this isn't a bad cover. Are you saying this is a good one or a bad one? The Shadow of the Scourge is absolutely horrific. It does look a little bit cut and paste, put together. It's like everything. It, it's like paint. It's like Doctor Who done in paint. Yeah, it could, 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 could be better. Uh, oh, God. Oh, Lord. <laughs> oh, no, you've seen it now. It's okay, I don't need yeah, to that, that's, that's, <laughs> that's not Sylvester McCoy's body, and that is... Yeah, that is... Wow. I mean, it's quite a nice it's picture like, of Sophie. It's, it's like Photoshop on LSD. I was going to say, Stuart's probably not unhappy about Sophie in that picture. Whose hand is that? Like, there's a hand on the right-hand side. Just this random hand. Oh, yeah, I see the hand. Yeah, that hand doesn't make a lot of sense. Which was the one you were looking at there, Chris? Well, there was two of them. There was two of them. There's a really crap Photoshop one, and then there's, there's this one, which seems to be more... Oh, that's another random hand. <gasps> Maybe this is a thing. Well, the really, the really crap Photoshop one is the actual cover. Yes, I think it, that's a sign of how far Big Finish you've come, if you want to look at it that way. And do you know what? I quite like the story that that is. It's not a bad story. It's just let down by a cover. And I think... Well, there you go. So that's the opposite. This was a really good cover with Chris's mind, but not such a good story. <laughs> not such an outstanding story. I just so. love the way you put it there. A really good cover in Chris's mind. Is this your way of saying Chris is wrong? <laughs> not my way of saying... I think it's Doug's way of saying Doug. no, Thanks, I was, guys. Bit, I was Thanks. a bit of story, not the cover. I haven't actually seen the cover for the one we just talked about, so I don't know what it looks like. The cover's not bad. Like the cover's it. not bad for me. Yeah. Very swashbuckly and fun and musketeery. I mean, I suppose it may be quite difficult to do a musketeers sort of based one where you're not either doing a rip-off of the three musketeers or something of that time period. So from that respect, you know, at least it did try to do something a little different mm-hmm. and sort of subvert the history books a bit. But it yeah, I don't know why it doesn't work for me. It's maybe of its time. I wonder if I would have liked it better if I'd heard it in 2002 when there wasn't so much to compare it to. Sometimes I think we're spoiled with Big Finish. Well, it'd be, yeah, it would have been a bit fresher then, I guess, wouldn't it? Because you've only got whatever it was, 35, 34 of them before that. Mm. And if you were a fan of Peter Davison, then yeah, there's only a proportion of them were him and Bob. Yeah, fans. it would still be only like you're, you're in your top. Your first 10, Peter Davison, for example. So, Well, considering how strong like, for Spare Parts was compared to this one, it is like, I'd say night and day, but it's getting close to that sort of very Doctor heavy, very Doctor interesting versus... Yeah, you know, I mean, like I've that. always sort of found Peter Davison that way. I mean... I, I, I've, the bits of Peter Davison I've, uh, I've seen, I, I get where you're coming from, but then I see that there's... Scenes. I think that's the one of the last scenes of Caves of Adrazani where he really he really kind of taps into the emotional side, a bit, a bit more angry, a bit more like frustrated, and like yeah, kind of give me more of that. Like be be less nicey, bumbly, and and 
just oh hey ooh, mm, mm. Lots, lots of hums and hums and just be angry nicey, nicey. I want, yeah show me that side that's side I'm interested in he's probably the least doctorish type yeah. doctor that there's been I would think he's a wet vet a wet vet that's how he's always been known in this household <laughs> he's a wet vet how do you describe Pierre Davidson's doctor? Huh? He's a bit of a wet bed. Vet uh, from all creatures, great and small. Vet? Oh, fuck. I thought oh, you said no, wet the rude. bed. I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. I thought that's what I said. Wet the bed. Wet the bed. So I mean, it's not that bad. He's <laughs> a bit of a... Okay, well done, way with three. <laughs> because he was in all creatures, great and small, you see, he is a wet vet. But why was he... Right. Wet. He is just because he was he was supposed to be the love interest type guy. That no, he's wet. He's more like he's wet when he's Doctor Who. All right, got you. I mean, he's never going to be his finest role, which is his dish of the day in Hitchhiker's Galaxy, or in the advert. Sorry, with the advert that he did with his now I've discovered ex-wife of thirty years. I'll put the dinner on. I'll be home in twenty minutes, and he'd be like, oh. You know, I'm the house husband, all the, the gender roles, all subverted and everything. I remember that stuck in my mind so much that she would come home and he would have his the microwave meal ready for her. It's not the worst thing that we've listened to, I don't think. Which is the worst you one know, we've listened to then? Not, not at all. Masterful, probably. Is it worth that five quid for the big box set? I mean, uh, yeah, it's, I think I bought the, the, the sort of big masterful set, but it's... I, masterful the problem was it was working out who was doing what and when it wasn't that it was terrible and it's it was a bit similar to this there was because it was saved by some nice stuff from missy and some nice stuff from i, I quite enjoy it too many similar voices i guess this is why we get we come together to discuss yes i think on this one we all have a pretty and to rate because we've all got different opinions we kind of have a pretty similar opinion on this one which is i love comedy sontarans it's Completely inoffensive. Yeah, I, well, I, I was quite surprised at that, actually, because I didn't realise Chris had just chosen it on the picture, not on the fact he'd actually held it. Again, that's, that's, that's how I approach these things, is I just look at the cover and go, ooh, shiny. So potential, ooh. Well, and why not? I mean, that, that's part that's of it as well. That's why they have a cover that's to try and tempt you to buy, isn't it? Because sometimes, presumably, these things are on the shelf of a shop somewhere, or on Amazon website, or Finish's website, or whatever. That's what you see, isn't it? The Forbidden Planet used to stalk them, so. Yeah. But there's, yeah, I mean, it, it's not, yeah, it, I think the thing we're deciding, it's not a terrible thing, it's not a great thing. I would rec- I would recommend it, but I wouldn't write home about it. Yeah, I mean, if somebody was interested in Peter Davison, and I think, you know, it's an interesting starting place because it's got RMM's sort of first adventure. I do quite enjoy, A, the, the very beginning bit with the cat I enjoyed, just because I like the idea of the cat being in the TARDIS and annoying the Doctor. And I, I have a suspicion, I can't remember, but I have a suspicion there's more to that cat. I think there's a story that goes on later about the cat. I enjoyed the way that, you know, they were all going, oh no, we won't kill him, we won't do this. And I remember just like, no, we'd kill him. Where I come from, we'd string him up. But going, yes, I think we're going to have to talk about this. Execution, execution. And as I say, there were some quite funny bits all the way through it, but very little sort of stands out in the memory as, oh, I, I must... I must listen to this again, but I wouldn't. I wouldn't hate to listen to it again, but it it hasn't inspired me. It has possibly inspired me to go and listen to a bit more stories with Aramem, because as I say, I really enjoyed her, and it sort of been a bit of a reminder of the fact that I enjoyed her. That's a part of the problem. The way we're doing this isn't it? It's random stories. I mean, generally we've we've had characters who've just recently joined that are maybe not their first story, but. 
first or second story. So, you know, it's been quite fortunate in that way, really, that you haven't got a whole bunch of backstory of previous adventures within the in the range that, you know, you've missed out on, so you don't do it. Because on this one, they, they certainly gave you a lot of the backstory to remind you of her place, which presumably they don't do so much in the next few stories as she becomes more of a regular. No. And it, I mean, Perry I mean, was, uh, was keen to have a friend of the TARDIS other than the Doctor, so a new companion. Yes, I think, you know, we, we, we've we listened to a lot, like you say, I think we have listened to quite a bit of that sort of first or second story. I think we were like second or third story for Evelyn Smythe when we heard her. We were the first story with Hex. It was like the introduction of Hex as the character. So there has been a few of the sort of expanded universe characters that, you know, the the big Finnish companions that we have sort of been there for the first ones of. Does that maybe something we could do in, in our choosing of other ones is actually revisit them further down the line? Yeah, I mean... And actually see you. Well, we, we met Ace in the Harvest uh, further on down, mm-hmm. well, kind of canonically, I suppose. Yeah. Well, that was quite, that was quite, quite interesting because we kind of discussed how mature she had become and just kind of where she was in that place. It'd be interesting, again, I've always said I've been an advocate for Charlie, so it'd be nice to see kind of her, like, maybe the conclusion to her arc to where it was because you know, the whole wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey, out-of-timey. Well, maybe if we went back and found out where, like, you know, the, the point where she diverges from the Doctor's path and... That would be an interesting one to see. The, at the end of that relationship, obviously, it's not <laughs> that's, ever ended. Even but, that's yeah. complicated, though, for Charlie. Oh, God. Well, we can maybe visit Charlie later yes. on in the journey then, where it's less, there isn't another universe involved and things like that. that and that's the other thing. Charlie <laughs> goes into like a divergent universe, which is because we've listened to two with Charlie, haven't we? We've listened to Storm Warning and then we listened to that one. I don't think you listened to it, actually, Chris, because it was when Paul. With one poll chose, which was oh yeah, well was it was three with Charlie then. Yeah. That we? was about three stories. That was about three. three yeah, because yeah, that's about three stories on from. That's why I, I remember. I remember vividly because that's what I really latched onto. It's like oh, I'm meeting Charlie like three stories down the line. It's actually from well the first time from the first episode to say four episodes down the line. It's actually tying back, and that's you know you know had had to win me over really quickly as canon and kind of wibbly wobbliness of of how that story is shaped. Is it yes. uh, Time Works we're talking about? That that yeah, was one. Yeah, I have listened to that one. In some way, Time Works is a bit similar to this. Uh, in that, I yeah. don't think yeah. any of us particularly rated Time Works that strongly either. It got really convoluted and weird, and as I fell asleep towards the end of it, it, was, and, it it's, yeah, yeah, it wasn't one of the, the one of the greater ones. But it was again, it was that divergent. Well, I think they were out of the divergent universe by that point, but it, it originally meant to have been in the divergent universe. It was one of those sort of later ones but yeah i mean we certainly can revisit i would quite like us at some point to explore lucy miller because i think you'd really like her it's sheridan smith's yeah. character and she's, she's one of my favorites lucy bleeding miller as she is known we should introduce her and then i'd like to go a bit further down that line and see yeah. what happens to There's her four series with her and it, they're all they're all pretty good. They're all quite short. They're all one an hour episodes each. So we'd maybe we could choose quite a few of them if we were going to do a couple it. Of them. I think there's a first story and a last story, and they're both two parters. So we could all we could do that first story and last story. We could do a first two parter, two first two part mm-hmm. review. That's a, that's a possibility for, the for later on. But speaking of which, then I guess 
very diplomatic of you, Stuart. That's a possibility for now. No, I quite like the idea of doing it. It's just that I thought I don't want to start getting excited about that, given that we've got at least the 60th one to go first. That's true. So, I mean, I guess because there's not, we don't hate it and don't love it, there's maybe not as much to say about this one, which is probably why we've gone off on quite so many tangents. So apologies, listener, but have a listen yourself, see what you think. You might like it more than we do, or you might hate it. Might have a different point of view. We'd love to love to get uh, more involved. If anyone wants to drop us a, a tweet or tweet or an X or whatever platform we're on. So we, we, we've been debating amongst ourselves on what we were going to do for the 60th, because we'd like to do something. And we talked briefly about doing Light at the End, which is Big Finish's 50th. I think Doug has already listened to it, I seem to recall. No, I think I have it. I don't think I've listened to it. Okay. And that, that was a possibility. There's also the current Big Finish series that's going on, the ones in future, but that actually technically won't finish until next year. So from that respect, probably not much point going into that. So I put together a bit of an idea, which I only just told the rest of the Prats about tonight. And that is given that the TV series is doing adaptations of the comics, the original Doctor Who magazine comics from the 70s, I think it would be that give, the Big Finish did an adaptation of them as well. And I thought we could go back and do the comic book adaptations because that will cover Star Beast, which is one of the ones that is being done for the 60th. And rather remarkably, and we have commented on this a few times, it's also we have never featured Tom Baker's Doctor, which seems remarkable. Saving on for the best story we could find, Stuart. So I hope this is a good one. Yeah, I, I gotta say I haven't listened to it, so I don't know. And this is also unusual for me because I think we've only done one story before that I hadn't listened to. So this is a whole box set I've not listened to. So we're gonna listen to the comic book adventure, and I don't really know anything about it. So I have actually read the original comic books, to be fair. So I have be- maybe a better understanding going in. They are definitely different in feel to the TV series because you can go a bit more mad in the comics, and I think they often did. But they are written by quite well-respected writers. And cue trailer. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions, Doctor Who, the comic strip adaptations, volume one. Good evening. The news at nine o'clock on Wednesday, the 20th of February, 1980. Ah! Ah! I'm a monster. I'm a monster. Ah! <laughs> You're a wazzock. That's what you are. Nearly scared us to death. <laughs> M1000 CM900 LXX1X. That's a... 1979. Date of manufacture, 1979. That's now! Oh, gods, how I love war. Let my Iron Legion march forever, for only through destruction am I alive. Without it, I am a dead sea. Hyperspace jump completed. Planet Sol 3 in sight. That is where the radiation trail leads. It is, sir. Then pinpoint the target at once. I have conquered this town, the place they call Stockbridge. That's the last of the neck bolts, so all it needs is one good twist and a tug. Run, Shad, run! Fudge! I think he's crying. Don't get too close, he might have space mage. He was bleeding, remember? Why are they keeping us standing around? What do they want with us, Viv? I don't know, Doc. Funny that. Still. Look on the bright side, they've not shot us. Surrender or I'll be annihilated. I surrender.
Magnus, is that a chieftain? I am the only chieftain here. I meant the tank. Pretty Polly. Watch out, Mr. Morris. Hola! Big finish. I said, Hola! We love stories. Look, whoever you are, the least you could do for a fellow whose space time ship you've shanghaied is Hola back. Beep the meep, beep the meep. Chris seems particularly keen to meet Beep the meep. Beep the meep. <laughs> As you can tell. It used to be a long time ago that you could actually fit the name, the the title of a TV series into the theme tune. That was a particular thing in the 80s and 90s. You could actually do it. Um, And you can still do it for some like, oh, Coronation Street (laughs) and things like that. You can actually, there are better examples. I just can't think of them right now. And same with Doctor Who, Doctor Who. It's difficult to believe yes. that Joe was Easy. the person who did the sound uh, theme tune for this podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I'm not performing. I'm just giving you examples. Well, thank you for listening. And yeah, this has been yeah maybe one of our more often tangenty episodes. <laughs> I think we all found it quite difficult to talk about. Try and pull it back next time. But. Yeah, if you if you like historicals and you're interested in the Three Musketeers and Peter Davison, although why you would be, I have no idea, then, then give it a listen, because you might like it. And if nothing else, you get to meet Aramem for the first time, probably, and that's not a bad thing. And on that note, we shall be back with our 60th special. I have no idea when, because we haven't even set a date for recording it, but when we when we listen to it, we'll be back. If you've enjoyed this podcast, Bye-bye. I've not said... I've not said Sorry. <laughs> Goodbye. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> if you've enjoyed the podcast... Again, we're still doing that blooper reel for If you enjoyed the podcast, and Chris shuts up, then, <laughs> then please hit that subscribe button. Right. Thank See you, everyone. Later. Goodbye. Ta-ta. Goodbye. That's quite an underwhelming one compared to your normal uh, sign-off, Doug. <laughs> as good as the story deserves. <laughs>